Thank you again for listening to our podcast today. Thank you so much for your support. We worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. here at St. John's Lutheran Church in the heart of downtown Martinsburg, West Virginia. Know that you're always welcome to our table and to our worship. God bless. And we hope you enjoy today's message. We start the sermon series on the appointed psalms for the Sundays in Advent. Yet you will notice today that today's psalm is not from the book of Psalms, but is from Luke, a gospel in the New Testament. Is this a case of Marcionism, where the legionary believes that God, the God of the New Testament is different, maybe even better than the God of the Old Testament? Marcionism was a heresy which was condemned in the 2nd century. So I think it's safe to assume that an ecumenical committee set up by mainline churches would not be propagating 1,800-year-old heresy in the choice of their psalm for the fourth Sunday in Advent in year B. In fact, if you remember from what I said on November 29th, the first Sunday in Advent, you'll remember that I said not all the biblical psalms are in the book of Psalms. In fact, there are other psalms in the Bible such as Exodus 15, the song of Moses, that Moses sang after they crossed the Red Sea. Or nearly 75% of the book of Revelation is a, is a psalm. Or Philippians 4, the Christ hymn. And here, Luke 1, 46-55, the Magnificat. But how did Mary get to this point? Her story begins in a, in a town called Nazareth. She was a virgin and was engaged to a man named Joseph. And in those days, an angel named Gabriel appeared to her and told her what God was planning to do. He says, greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. What an interesting way to say hello. Sounds very churchy, doesn't it? Sounds very much like the Lord be with you. No wonder she is feeling perplexed by Gabriel's greeting. And then Gabriel says, Mary, do not be afraid. You know, why tell someone not to be afraid if you're not scary looking? Or the news that you come to bring might cause someone to be afraid. Mary is obviously frightened, or the angel would not have said so. And it's either the angel's appearance... Or his message. You know, angels are terrifying creatures. Remember, I talked about this a couple years ago on the Feast of St. Michael. That angels are the warriors of heaven. Gabriel is part of the, the Marine Corps of the angels. Think of a guy dressed as Rambo appearing in your bedroom from the shadows. You'd be scared too, right? Judging by the way Luke writes, I'm assuming that Mary is scared of Gabriel's appearance. But the news he brings would also give her every right to be afraid as well. You have found favor with God. Whenever you hear an angel of the Lord tell you you have found favor with God, be afraid, my brothers and sisters, be very afraid. It means that God has some crazy adventure in store for you, and, and God wants you to do it. Any hopes and dreams of Mary living an easy, normal life where she can become rich are mute, are thrown out the window at this point. Though it's safe to assume being a, a Jewish woman living in the town of Nazareth, she probably didn't have much plans like that anyway. 
what God has planned for her will blow her mind. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestors, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. The virgin will conceive a son, and she will name him Jesus. A virgin engaged to another man will conceive a son. This sort of thing does not happen. Nowhere in the Hebrew Bible has a virgin ever conceived a child. An older woman, yes. It's happened a few times, actually. But never a virgin. It sounds like something out of a fairy tale. Who would believe a virgin to conceive and bear a child? You know, you don't need to be a biology major to understand how one conceives and bears a child. And to have this happen in a period in human history where women have no rights, where women were seen as property of either their father or their husband. When a woman could be convicted of adultery, who was convicted of adultery could face death and be thrown out of her family while the man has nothing done to him at all. I'm not sure if, if Mary is more afraid of a man dressed like Rambo standing in her bedroom or at the news that he brings. Yet Mary doesn't shriek from the responsibility thrusted upon her by God. Perhaps that is why God chose her, because God knew what Mary was capable of doing. God knew that Mary could handle this. Mary doesn't tell the angel that she needs time to think it over. She says to the angel, here I am, a servant to the Lord. Let it be according to your word. But then Luke tells us in the very next verse that we didn't have read today that she leaves home to visit her cousin. Luke doesn't tell us why. And many, many, and many theologian and layperson have wondered why Mary would run away after hearing this news. Luke gives us a few clues. Mary that wanted the other see this other miracle which has taken place, Elizabeth, her cousin, an older woman giving birth to a child. That's likely the answer, but our biblical imagination sometimes are a bit wild here, and that's, and that's okay. Mary leaves at once for the Judean town where Elizabeth and Zachariah live. And upon entering the house, the child in Elizabeth's belly leaps for joy at the sound of Mary's voice. And then the Holy Spirit speaks through Elizabeth, and she proclaims, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. Elizabeth is a, is a good proclaimer of the good news. She's a fantastic proclaimer of the good news. Just like Mary Magdalene was on the day of Christ's birth. I'm sorry, on Christ's resurrection. She reveals to Mary the good news that awaits the world in her belly. And then Mary sings.
in the midst of such horrible, bad news for Mary. She proclaims that God will not act in the future, but is acting now. And I simply do not know how she does it. Around the time of our Lord's birth, there was a Jewish rebellion against Rome. And this particular rebellion was squelched when the Syrian legions under the direction of Rome crashed the Jewish rebellions and burned the city of Sepphoris in Galilee and reduced its inhabitants to slavery. Those who could not hide from the Syrian legions were killed, raped, and enslaved. Those who survived lost everything. Nazareth, where Mary and Joseph lived, were just four miles from Sepphoris. They had to witness, or at least heard of, this horrific act. Mary knew firsthand the power that Rome possessed in the world. She also knew that because she was not a citizen, she had none of the protections that came from being a Roman citizen. She also knew that because she was a woman, she had no rights within her own community. Elizabeth sees in Mary the hope for the pe- her people and the world. Elizabeth knows that Mary's belly was, holds the salvation promised to Abraham and Sarah many years ago. She recognized that Mary was carrying the Savior of the world, and God had entrusted her with the duties of caring for her son, who would be and who is God's salvation for the world. The Magnificat demonstrates that God is concerned with the social and political realities of the daily life of Jews. And God acts on behalf of the oppressed and against the proud and the powerful. God brings down the powerful and lifts up the lowly. God is God of this moment and the moment to come. God's salvation is present here on earth and in the coming future. According to Mary, God's salvific action is present already and not just future reality. Here we can understand that Jesus' salvation starts at the moment of the Annunciation and ends at the cross. Salvation is not limited to the crucifixion. The whole life of Jesus can be seen as a salvific act. God's rule is ruling on earth as in heaven. God rules instead of Caesar. The Magnificat is inviting us to imagine the world, what the world would look like. If Jesus sat on Augustus' throne and ruled with peace and justice. Jesus, the new king, rules on earth without Caesar's permission. He rules not through violence, but he rules with mercy. That Magnificat magnifies God's new plan for the world. A plan where the mighty have fallen and the lowly are lifted up. A plan where mercy rules and not violence plan where the hungry are fed and the rich are sent away empty, the complete opposite of what the world offers. And so my question this day, on the last Sunday of Advent, what needs to be magnified in your life? What do you need to magnify in order to welcome the return of Christ? If we are to be truly authentic this Advent season, then we must acknowledge the role that women play in the gospel especially in the early part of the gospel. It's the women who proclaim the good news. In fact, the only man in the first chapter of Luke who actually has a speaking part 
his, his speech is taken away from him because he doubt, doubts God's ability to give him and his wife a child. He doesn't believe God when God says it to be possible. And this guy's a priest. He's supposed to know his Bible. He's supposed to know. The men are speechless. The women are the evangelists. A woman could have been killed for being found with a child out of wedlock. A woman spent her entire life being ridiculed for not having child while she was younger. She was told by many religious elite that her barrenness was because God was punishing her for something that she or her husband had done. God entrusts two women coming from completely different generations with the task of proclaiming the good news and bearing the word of God may flesh. If we're going to be authentic this Advent, we must magnify and shine light on the role that women play in proclaiming the good news and proclaiming the gospel. If we're going to be authentic this Advent, we must magnify and shine light on the role that the least lightly people have in defining the coming of our Lord, the hungry, the meek, those who show mercy, a nation of people who have been held as nothing more than slaves to the empire. If we are going to be authentic this Advent season, we must also be willing to listen to our young women when they speak. Just as we listen to a young 14-year-old Mary sing of the greatness of her God. If we're going to be authentic this Advent season, we must also be willing to condemn the spending of billions of dollars to make Christmas more magical, as if the Word of God is not magical enough. If we're going to be authentic this Advent, we need to promote the idea of the powerful being thrown out of their thrones and the lowly put in their place. If we're going to be authentic this Advent season, we need to proclaim the radical nature of the gospel. The gospel is supposed to make us feel uneasy. God has come to scatter the proud, bring down the powerful, and send the rich away with nothing to eat. Just like the rich send the poor away with nothing to eat. The gospel is good news for some and bad news for others. And if you're hearing this as bad news, then you might want to reconsider your place and role in the world. So what are you going to do to magnify God this day? What are you going to magnify this day in your life? Who are you going to magnify this day? What do you want to see change in your life and in the world around you? What is God already doing that you couldn't see until now, until this very moment? If Mary has nothing to fear, then neither do you. Mary faced death. She faced being kicked out of her family. She faced a lifetime of public ridicule for being that girl who had a child out of marriage. She risked it all and God blessed her. Why can't the same be done for you? What's holding you back? You know, not much has changed since Mary first sang that song. People are still anticipating deliverance from unjust rulers and unjust law. People are still waiting on Christ to return. How can you be like Mary and Elizabeth this day? How can you proclaim and magnify the good news of God? Who? Can you call blessed? Amen. Come, Lord Jesus.